Kevin Ireland has already written two memoirs, Under the Bridge and Over the Moon, followed by Backwards to Forwards. Now in his 90th year, Kevin's tried an unpredictable experiment for his third memoir. He rummaged through forgotten moments in his life each day for 30 days and wrote them down. He found himself thinking about his first date, aged eight, about fishing in Southland, forgotten moments from his years living in London, and the first time he saw a five-pound note. In a month at the back of my brain, we also learned the intriguing stories behind some of Kevin's poems. You see, this is something I explain, how Calstead and I came to be together, and, and we, we were talking about the way the poems happen. You see, you don't manufacture them. You don't sit down and just decide you're going to write a poem, and uh, uh, and they come and they go, and they they arrive and they disappear, and and so on. And it's just like that. Carl, another poem was sent to me direct this morning. It flew into the kitchen, completely out of nowhere. One minute I remember making coffee, and the next I must have blinked or clicked my fingers. Then I looked up and saw a mint condition poem had arrived, and it was tipping me the wink. Talk about astonished. I felt that I'd been knocked for six. I was flabbergasted, freaked, stunned, gobsmacked, totally blown away. Three very simple things happened, strictly in the sequence, coffee, click, a poem. Oh, plus, of course, there was that wink whatever it could possibly have meant. You never get accustomed to how or when a poem will fly in, just as, in a far more humdrum and exhausting way, you can't get used to waving them goodbye, as sometimes they take wing again and glide off to the setting sun. Kevin, I love your description of this, a third shot at remembrance. You had your two memoirs. Why have you taken a different approach with this one, a th- your third memoir? I sort of retired early, and I couldn't see anything really very memorable, uh, and yet I've got lots to remember. And what uh, has happened to my remembrance in my old age is that suddenly all the important and all the celebrated things uh, have far less importance some of them, no importance whatsoever. And suddenly, out of a dreamland came strange promptings and weird things about people who were mostly non-entities, not all of them, uh, but some of them were, and yet they were decisive pointers in life. And they actually helped me in ways that I now see were important. And anyway, they were bloody interesting people. They had something going on there that was remarkable, I thought. This concept, Kevin, of, I was trying to think how to describe it, like taking a memory and doing a deep dive into it, one per day, it feels quite disciplined. But once you started doing that, once you started opening yourself up to searching for those forgotten moments, did they almost overwhelm you? Were there more than you could possibly write about? Yes, they actually jostled each other to get at me, but I I had a a ruthless selection process by making my mind go blank, by concentrating on the black at the back of the retina, and suddenly your mind goes totally blank. 
There is no way anything uh, survives to compete with it. I don't get any sense that you've edited or played with the structure because some of these stories, one thing will have led to another. But in other ways, you might be thinking back to your years in London, a moment then, and then the next time we're with you in South and fishing. Yes, that's right. And that's the way the memory operates. It's a very random process. And, of course, in Dreamland, it's the same thing. Things are juxtaposed in ways that can never happen in real life. I, I just let go and, and followed my brain, and I, I loved it. I actually got marvellously interested. I, I never thought I was going to do a third memoir. I tried to have a go at it, especially during lockdown. What a great thing to have a go at, you know, keep me uh, busy and so on. But, but I, I couldn't work out how to go about it until I worked out that what I ought to concentrate on is not the big event, but the small event, because these are the things that busy my brain now, and these are the things that activate me, and these are the things I now see as of vital importance in life. They store up little messages, and they store up codes, and they, they, they give you ways of looking at things that affect you all your life. We also have many of your poems in here, and more importantly, in a way, I think the context behind them, the story behind them. Uh, that's very important. Isn't it? It's, it's a marvellous thing when you write a memoir like this to explain how the poems came about, because giving them a kind of a, a reference into a life places them, and it doesn't explain them, because there's no explaining of a poem, but what it does, it gives a whole background and presents the whole thing there. And if you're interested, it just opens the poem, I think. I imagine that when you open yourself up to this, as I say, deep diving into your memories, yeah. unfiltered, you yeah. could well come across, I mean, you've got lots of really funny moments throughout the yeah. collection, but it could also open you up to quite traumatic, quite tough times that you deliberately blocked. Did that happen to you? Yeah, yes, towards the end. Uh, my brother's death, and I loved my brother, and it, it, it just affected me just terribly. And my mother's <laughs> departure, uh, my mother uh, cleared out uh, and left four little children. And how a, a really intelligent and beautiful woman could suddenly have four children and, <laughs> and scram off. I just don't know how you get yourself into that kind of situation where it's, it seems life and death and you've got to uh, go. But uh, I must say it was a devastating experience as a child and uh, it was for all of us. And, uh, and that came. Luckily, it held off till the end so I could deal with it and, and just get rid of it. Love and poems is so sweet. I'm just astonished that you remember the first girl you ever took out, Pamela. Yes, I remember her exactly. I remember every de detail of the thing. The only thing I've forgotten as I, as I confess there is what the hell the film was. I've forgotten what the film was. The most important thing of the of of, of the day and uh, uh, would be the name of the film. Let's see, so and so, so and so starring in it, and it was a day of stardom and so on. And 
that's completely gone, vanished, gone forever. We should say <laughs> we should say that you were eight years old in standard eight years, three yes. when you went eight to years the old. Road. I took my first girlfriend to the pictures. Yes, and then it turns into a thought about love and how love yes. is such a misused word, and it and it absolutely is, isn't it? Uh, oh, it's a, it's a murdered word. Uh, people uh, describe as love all sorts of uh, conditions from uh, jealousy to madness to possessiveness uh, to to murderous intention and uh, and describe it as love it ain't and uh, and uh, and I, I'm a bit rigorous about that it's actually a condition of turmoil that is magical and marvelous and exceptional and it just has a life of its own and you can't share it with anybody except secondhand through poetry, uh, through good descriptions in good memoirs and novels and so on, and through people's confessions too. I think uh, sometimes uh, we've heard private words about things and we know that's the real thing. Another little moment that you've turned into a whole chapter here is remembering the first time your father showed you a real five-pound note and just how dramatic that was for you. <laughs> Look, I can still remember it. And I can still remember his fear, his trembling. His, uh, the, the whole thing was a magical uh, uh, moment and he allowed me to hold it. <laughs> well, you have to remember that the that the average wage was was less than five pounds uh, then, and so you know it would be like now uh, uh, an eight hundred or a thousand dollar note. You know, the, somebody waving one of those around wouldn't uh, last very long in the street or anywhere. This was clearly such an intense and pleasurable and memorable time in your long writing life, Kevin. Did you miss it yeah. when the 30 days ended, or do you find that you're still yes, writing? I, I, I missed it. I actually did, and I tried to carry on. That's the interesting thing that I mentioned there. But I, it, my, my brain just wouldn't work. Nope, no. It, I'd set out to do a certain thing, and I'd actually got my brain focused absolutely and entirely on 30 days and of course the 30 days take uh, longer than just uh, an ordinary day but but they're days in my life in a metaphorical sense and so there are 30 days and I'd actually set this and I'd worked to it and worked intensely uh, to it and my brain just gave up at the end and uh, wouldn't budge. It just said, that's it. That was the contract. I wanted to ask you about the um, the cover, which is, a, I was delighted when I looked inside. It's a self-portrait. Yeah, I, I started painting at 70 and uh, and I, I thought, what haven't I done? And I thought, I haven't painted. And so I did. And uh, I, I just liked it because those were the paints I had. And I just slapped them on and slapped them around, and and uh, I think I got the straw hat really well. And uh, I think I've yeah, I'm I'm very pleased with that. And uh, somebody has just got in touch with me and said they want it, and 
and I'm very pleased about that. Kevin Ireland. His third memoir is called A Month at the Back of My Brain and it's a Quentin Wilson publishing publication.